welcome back beautiful people we are here with another episode of the pack leader mentality podcast and uh we got a hot topic for you guys hi guys today we are talking about puppy socialization boom so this time of the year is really um busy with new puppies it seems like everybody gets a puppy for christmas for christmas <laughs> which gifting puppies is not something that i'm a fan of side note i don't i don't like that at all ask me why i just i, I do want to clarify that at any point if you want to gift me a puppy i will gladly take that puppy yeah uh but i wouldn't do that <laughs> but i know i know why you're going to say that but for everyone else, why would you not recommend gifting a puppy? No, I want to know why you think I would say that first. I think oftentimes people are just not necessarily ready for a puppy, don't want the puppy, um, don't know anything sometimes even about dogs. And so they're just put into the situation. Now they have to take care of a dog that they didn't want or know even how to. And yeah. it just creates a lot of problems. Yeah, I agree. I think gifting a a puppy to somebody who wasn't expecting it is quite the burden yeah you know it's like it, it sounds like a great thing like if i if i gifted you a car that sounds amazing right but if i'm like oh by the way it's like 400 dollars a month for the payment <laughs> and your insurance and uh by the way you got to get regular checkups and maintain the car and oh you, you don't really know how to drive a car yet well you should probably go learn you know, so it's like this burden. And again, it yeah. sounds good and it sounds fun. And it's with a puppy, it's very, uh, what's the word? Cute. There's a lot of like emotion involved with it. Yeah. I think that it's not, I don't think it's the best thing. If Now, if you've been saying like, hey, I really want a dog and you've been doing research and you're ready for the responsibility. It's a both, whole different ballgame. You know, mentally, financially and all that stuff. You have time, etc. Then, yeah, by all means, I would. I think gifting you the puppy is a great idea. It's a great mm -hmm. surprise. But that's usually not how it happens no. when people get a puppy. So, And usually it's really, it's the dog that suffers. Yeah, agreed. Unfortunately. So, that was a side note, by the way. A little, <laughs> that's not a little what we were talking off about. Topic. But <laughs> since... It is puppy season and you may have been gifted with a puppy. I want to talk about the importance of puppy socialization because it's very important. So, um, so pop quiz, uh, what is the most crucial age for a puppy to begin socialization? It's eight to 16 weeks. Bam. Did you know I was going to ask you that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> No surprise But I also there. know the answer to that. Yeah. Regardless. Do you know why? Yeah, because that is their time where they're growing. They're literally like a sponge. Yeah. So that is their time to learn everything and anything when it comes to the outside world. Yeah, we could say that they're... Impressionable age, Yeah, right? they're most impressionable. Uh, they're, again, like you said, like a sponge. So very, very important. Now, here's the part that I would say is sort of contradicting to that is the vets tell people not to bring their dog anywhere until their vaccine schedule has been completed which is at 16 weeks so basically vets are convincing people to hide their puppies in the house until that uh, important socialization period is ended now just for the record this is nothing against vets 
This is not a shot at vets. And I've said this before and, and prefaced this, but uh, please don't listen to vets with regard to keeping your dogs locked in the house. Uh, be smart about what you're doing and how you're socializing your puppy, for example. Stay very far away from dog parks. Just in general, I'm not a fan of dog parks, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in another show, uh, episode. Um, but stay away from dog parks and stay away from dog stores. Pet stores. Pet stores. And other places where there is a likelihood of there being like a high population of dogs, wherever that might be. And, you know, funny enough, that actually sounds like a vet office. Because <laughs> vet offices have quite... A, the uh, amount of dogs coming in that aren't well, uh, sick, etc. But on a side note, the reason that I'm saying that is because we've had many puppy classes and I've never had a client contact me and tell me that their puppy got sick in one of our classes. And we've taken them on hikes. We take them to outdoor shopping centers, um, Bass Pro, Home Depot, you parks. Know, parks, you name it. We've taken them pretty much everywhere. And honestly, I think this is one subject that all trainers, regardless of their ideology, methodology, and philosophies on dog training, I think all trainers can agree that it is so important to socialize your puppy as soon as possible. So we want to dive into that today and talk about what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. So what is socialization because oftentimes you know i i hear people go yeah i i socialize my dog <laughs> um you know my friends come over and play with the puppy or you know my puppy meets other pup other dogs and yeah. they play and you know that's their understanding of socialization so what is by definition socialization when it comes to your puppy yeah well my definition the way that i like to explain it to all my clients is socialization is normalization of People, places, objects, uh, situations, and circumstances. Surfaces. Yeah, surfaces. And we're going to talk about all that and sure. get into it. But what is not, what it is not, is overstimulation, right? Which I think a lot of people do. So some examples of overstimulation would be taking your puppy to a dog park where their idea of interacting with other dogs is just this constant nonstop play. Uh, same thing can be applied to taking your puppy out in public places and just letting them run up to everybody and get all of this attention and affection all the time, nonstop. I'm not saying that it's wrong for them to do that by any means. However, it's important to understand that patterns like that create expectations. And later on down the line, those expectations become, because they can't constantly be met, right? The the dog starts to develop frustration and that frustration expresses itself through like barking, whining, and what people would call crazy or my dog loses it, AKA reactive behavior because the dog is just not used to, um, well, it's not like being, told being no. restricted. Yeah. And so on the, or for example, on the end of lack of socialization, the reactive behavior comes from where it stems from, not understanding what to do and wanting to create space. So it's really like this fine balance. Uh, one thing that I tell all my clients to do is when you're out and you're socializing your puppy to try and be the main event. So bring their favorite toy, bring food, bring a long line, allow for exploration, but always be 
uh, attempting at least to interact and engage with your puppy and be playful and get them to redirect their attention back to you. For example, if I have a dog, a puppy on a long line and they see another dog and they want to go to that dog, I'll step on the long line, right? So I stop the puppy from being able to access that other dog and I have a few choices. I can just wait it out until the puppy turns around and looks at me. And when they do, I get really excited. I clap. I'm like, yay, good boy. I put my hand out like I have food. I'll reward them when they get to me. I'll drop a toy, whatever. Um, the other thing I can do is I can encourage them to look at me by making a kiss noise or saying their name. And once I make that noise or say, they, say their name, they turn around and they look at me and then I get excited. And the last thing I can do if I wanted to expedite all of that is when the puppy is fixated on the other dogs, I just apply a little bit of leash guidance. So I'll step on that long line, I'll grab it, and then I'll start to gently pull back. And as soon as they turn to me, I get excited and get all playful. But the idea there is to always try to be the good guy, right? When I'm working with my clients, we train obedience. I say, hey, practice these things in different environments, but also keep it kind of loose, you know, because we also want to make sure that the dog is comfortable. Uh, I'm going to walk you guys through a, sort of a list, if you will, of like what you want to socialize your puppy to. And I want you to, I want you to think about things uh, from your own perspective. Just to give you an example of a couple of situations that I ran into in my career uh, with some dogs that were not, I wouldn't say, let me, let me rephrase that. They weren't, it's not that they were not properly socialized. It's that there were these little quirks that indicated that the socialization wasn't applied with these scenarios. So one, for example, I was working with a client out in front of Bass Pro Shops here in Vegas, and she had two uh, St. Bernards. Uh, an older gentleman walked by and the dogs kind of lost it. They started barking at him. She was very embarrassed. She didn't know what happened. And uh, once the dog settled, she was like, oh my God, I don't know what happened. They've never done that before. I said, it's okay, I know exactly what happened. And she looked at me confused and she's like, what what happened and i said well that man that walked by uh he had a he had a limp and he was walking very slow so there's just very weird to the dogs from the dog's perspective this very weird movement from this man that they had never seen before and their response was to bark at it and make it go away and that's just an example of a lack of exposure for the dogs now i'm not saying that my client did anything wrong because you know a situation like that like where do you go to find people with limps maybe hang around the hospital i don't know you know but but that's just something that i want you guys to think about about that little thing right there the dogs had never been exposed to that how that can create um let's say a negative reaction from the dogs another example is here in vegas in some of the communities there are metal grates on the sidewalk that house like water lines or utility lines and things like that so when you step on them you know they kind of make this little noise and plus it's a different sensation for the dogs because the sidewalk is concrete and then you have these diamond plated metal grates uh, and i've worked with dogs that will avoid these at all costs they're afraid of them they they're like i don't know what the hell that is i'm not stepping on it so that's an example of you know again something that people might not think of the dog has never been exposed to different types of flooring and going from one type of floor to another. In Bass Pro, for example, they have tile floor that changes over to carpet. And then on the second floor, they have like a little wooden bridge that crosses over. So you go from tile to this 
sort of like wooden planks that lay out across all over the bridge that the dog has to walk on. And in fact, just the other day, I was there with a client and their puppy was a little bit nervous. So we got playful. We threw like a little trail of food and he made it across and we went back and forth a few times. But that's the kind of stuff that I want you guys listening and watching to think about when it comes to socializing your puppy. How many different things can you expose them to? And I like to tell my clients to play the game of sevens and just to kind of put that in perspective, it means introduce your puppy to seven different types of everything that you can think of. Sights, sounds, smells, people, locations, things, objects, whatever. So yeah, do you have any questions? What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I'm curious, like what do you have on the, your list? Of okay, yeah, great. Some of the things that you have. So for, for um, so I kind of just have it grouped out. Uh, people, so women, men, teenagers, infants, toddlers, kids, running, screaming, uh, tall men, big men, let's say overweight people, heavy set people, dark skinned people, uh, people with hats, glasses, uh, construction workers, delivery men, joggers, bicyclists, skateboarders, you know, just to give you some perspective. So people and then people doing things weird things that would be weird to the dog not necessarily weird to us but again we're talking about normalization right so the it's not to say that your puppy has to go meet construction workers but it would be a good idea that if you saw some construction going on on a walk you might want to go walk your puppy over there right to get them exposed to it and it doesn't mean that they necessarily even have to be fixated on it is if they're, if they're around the area while you're working with your dog playing with your dog training your dog or just letting your dog observe them that's good right uh so same thing with noises think about trucks like garbage trucks motorcycles a vacuum cleaner fans uh dropping objects right like a pot or a pan maybe banging on them slamming a door um sweeping is another one i don't know Va if i said Did you say vacuum yeah i don't know if i said motorcycles one. already too uh doorbells rolling things like shopping carts right so again bringing your puppy to stores and exposing them to those things there and the same thing with animals right so small dogs large dogs older dogs uh cats birds horses goats sheep you know rabbits if you can maybe rats snakes whatever like whatever you can think of you know and obviously that doesn't necessarily mean like bring the puppy right up to a yeah. horse but just for them to be able to to be see around it. it yeah exactly uh, because they, the first time that they ever see it might be when they're three years old and they might freak out you know one good example too of brooklyn who is like a sound dog and i you know you know i took her everywhere with me when i was raising her and socializing her but what's funny is that the first time she ever went to the ocean and so the first time she ever saw the ocean i don't remember how old she was but she was a couple years old and she like <laughs> she kind of she ran away from the ocean <laughs> she saw the waves coming and she in. loves water yeah like, she loves water clarify, she loves yeah, water she but was, she did not yeah, understand that <laughs> she was taught to swim at the lake and the lake doesn't have nearly like it's very calm you know we were in like this little cove but she had never seen the ocean and the waves from the ocean so when they were coming in and crashing and they weren't even big waves she was so 
hesitant and she was like going close and the wave would come in and then she'd run away and kind of look back and it was funny to, <laughs> to watch that but it was very interesting for me because I love behavior and dog psychology and I was like wow that's pretty crazy like she's very solid but then there's this thing you know and another thing just the other day I made a video about the escalator mm-hmm. and I brought her up to the escalator and she did not want to go anywhere near that thing she was like what the heck is that and similar to the wave from the ocean but again, interesting to me because Brooklyn is a very solid dog and very confident dog, but those are just two situations. And I had never, uh, every time, I don't do escalators, uh, I take her on an elevator. So because of the damage that could potentially happen from the escalator. Um, but because of that, she had never walked up to one. I've never had her do that. So it was kind of weird for her. But again, just to give you guys some more perspective on what you should be thinking about when you're socializing your puppies. Uh, But a couple more things from the list here with regard to environment. We have the vets, vet offices, parks, houses, elevators, car rides, uh, beach, stairs, stores, playgrounds, crowds, uh, wood floors, tile floors, uh, carpet, gravel, puddles. uh, And then again, those grates on the sidewalks and other weird objects that you can think of. Uh, With regard to handling, this is another sort of side note that people don't really think about. You really want to get your dog used to being touched and handled a lot because they're probably going to need to be groomed. They're probably going to need to be checked by the vet. So you want to make sure that they're used to that and they're not defensive so you can make it fun for them while you're touching them all over. Generally, I say do that with food or even during play, but, you know, cleaning their ears, cleaning their eyes, touching their paws, clipping their nails, brushing them, bathing them, wearing a collar, wearing a leash, putting it on, taking it off, um, checking their teeth, brushing their teeth, wearing a harness. If you want to put your dog on a harness, uh, you know, being bandaged, being restrained, being picked up. These are all things that you know, you should think about, especially if you have a small dog, for example, and you live in a colder climate, you'd want to get them used to wearing clothes really early on. Yeah. So again, just, just some perspective for everybody listening. Uh, there's a few other things that I want to touch on. Did you want to add anything to that? Well, I was going to ask you if you have, if you're working with a puppy that, you know, in certain situations you walk by the construction zone and the puppy is like totally fine Mm -hmm. now there's a kid going by on a skateboard or maybe a lady with a stroller and the the puppy is not comfortable so when you talk about socialization in those particular situations like how would you handle that to let the puppy uh you know show the puppy that it's okay or because i know that like the wrong thing to do would be like to say to the dog oh it's okay it's okay don't worry so how would you walk them through that process sure well if possible i would have the puppy meet or investigate whatever the object or the situation is so if it's a person i would generally ask that person if they wouldn't mind if i brought my puppy up to them so here's the thing if your dog is expressing any type of fear reaction towards anything the number one thing that you can do is encourage them to investigate. What's important about that and what you should understand is that you're not forcing your puppy to investigate. So you're not dragging them over to that thing. You are walking over to that thing and potentially squatting down 
and encouraging your puppy to come and check it out. I would even put like a little trail of food as well as just some encouraging, like, come on, buddy, come on, check it out. Right. And like tapping the floor, for example. Uh, but that's, that's the best thing you can do. The worst thing you can do would be to force your puppy uh, over to an object or a person or a thing, uh, scold them or punish them in some way. And then the other thing I think is very wrong to do is to console them. So the consoling them, you know, a lot of people might think, well, why, what's wrong with that? Well, here's the, here's the perspective in the psychology with the puppy. If they're afraid of the object that's over there and you are here with the puppy away from that object and you're consoling them, you might as well be saying to them, yes, I'm afraid of that too. Good job, right? We're going to say, we're going to stay here where it's safe rather than not saying a word to your puppy going over to the object showing them with their own ability to see you interact with that thing that you're not afraid of it and then you encourage them to come over and investigate it that's the best thing that you can do and i would say the same thing with barking with young puppies 90 i would say literally 99 percent of young puppies that are barking at things are barking at them because they don't understand them and they're just trying to make it go away some dogs are naturally you know defensive and driven in that sense where they're protective but honestly even at a as a at a young age i would still encourage the dog to investigate something i i would really i would be very surprised if someone contacted me and said my three-month-old puppy attacked something like that's just very very unlikely to happen so most of the time it's going to be fear and unless I have very definitive proof. Otherwise, that is my assumption with a young puppy. So handling them correctly is really, really important, a part of the socialization process because there's going to be things that throw them off and they don't know how to respond to. So you have to walk the puppy through that. And whenever I work with clients and we go out in public places, one of the biggest rules that I have when we're in a new location is don't uh, don't implement any uh Oh, solid like obedience meaning don't if your puppy does a solid sit stay at home don't necessarily expect them to do that out in public for two reasons one because you're starting to work on the generalization process which is teaching the puppy that those commands apply in different locations but more importantly is that if they're in a new location and they are nervous or afraid or timid or insecure for any reason and you're forcing obedience you are making it worse for them so i always like to give this example to my clients because i think this is a really good way to put it in perspective imagine that you have a child and they're like a math genius right they're for sure going to be some sort of a engineer or mathematician and you sit them down to do their homework and as they're doing their homework there's a spider on the table and the kid freaks out and they don't do their homework and you yell at them you punish them for not doing their math homework because you know that they know how to do it that doesn't make any sense right because the kid it's not that they didn't do their math homework because they're being uh, disobedient or insubordinate. They didn't do their math homework because they're terrified of the spider on the table. So, you know, to keep it in relation to the dog example or with dogs, rather, we would want to first make sure that the child is comfortable with spiders and then we can expect them to do their homework while there's a spider on the table. So we have to address that first. And oftentimes, I see people going in the opposite direction and they're not understanding that their dog is afraid. And this even goes into adulthood with the dogs, with dogs where people do that with their adult dogs. 
So it's really important that you understand that your puppy might be nervous in a new location. So have fun, get playful with them, encourage them to investigate, allow exploration and investigation. And then once you start to see them become more confident, then you can start applying obedience. But also be mindful. If I have a puppy in a sit or a downstay and I'm at Home Depot and somebody comes walking by with a cart, you know, uh, whether it's a regular shopping car or one of those big pieces where they carry lumber on it mm-hmm. and the puppy jumps up and moves away, I'm going to let that slide. It's all good. I'm not going to punish the puppy for getting up from a down. And that is very important to know and to be able to observe that and see that so that you're not ruining your dog just because you think that they're supposed to be listening to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what exactly would a session look like for you and your client when it comes to socializing a puppy? Well, it, it goes based off of the puppy. So when we first get there, I just explain to them exactly what we're doing there. It's more about exposure and socialization and we work in obedience. So obedience is actually the, I would say secondary. The, the primary thing that we're working on is making sure that the dog is comfortable. Once they're comfortable, we start reintroducing obedience commands that we worked on at home and in less distracting environments. We practice the recall, we practice sit, stay, down, stay, heal, and we make it fun. We take little breaks and we play. And while we're doing that, it's, it's very much, like I said, very lighthearted. And we're just trying to, we're really just trying to have fun with the dog as much as possible. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's very simple. And then if there's any time that I see that the puppy's nervous of something, immediately we go in and we investigate it. And if I see that if the puppy's in a downstay and there's a somebody that walks by with a shopping cart and the puppy jumps up because they're nervous, then I replay that scenario over and over. I put the I you know pull the shopping cart away. I put the puppy in a down. I slowly push a shopping cart near them. I reward them for staying in the down. If they get up, we just repeat that. And I show them that hey, you don't have to worry about this thing rolling by you while you're in a down it's actually pretty beneficial for you to just hang out and i reward them for it you know and i'm just light about the correction i'm not i'm still going to say potentially like ah uh-uh, but it's not going to be the same as if i'm working with a full-grown uh, dog who that just like knows. yeah screw you i'm yeah. done you know it's going to be a lot more firm for that correction but for the puppy it's going to be way more forgiving and very guiding back into that position like hey it's all good down good boy and then we just try it again right and whatever it is and that's the thing i'm I'm, that socialization is also a form of generalization where you just work the puppy everywhere so and we have a lot of fun we go to parks uh i love having kids interact with the puppies and a lot of times my clients are nervous because they're like, oh, they nip a lot. I'm like, it's okay, watch this. And then I take food, I hold the food in my hand and I have the puppy eating out of my hand and all the kids come over and I say, hey, do you want to pet the puppy? And they pet the dog and then I'm like, hey, do you want to give him some food? And then the dog's just sitting there taking food out of all the kids' hands. And, you know, as far as the puppy's concerned, they're like, oh my God, I love this, you know? And they're not thinking about nipping anybody. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, hey, do you have more of that stuff? And so we just try to make it fun for the dog. And then once they get really comfortable, then we start, then I'll pull off to the side a little bit and start working sit, stay, down, stay, recall. And while the kids are there and they're even watch. And sometimes they may, they might like, uh, what's the word I want to use? They might incorporate themselves, right? Which I don't mind. But the idea for me is like, get the puppy comfortable and then work with them in that scenario, focusing on obedience because I'm the main event, right? And when I say I, I'm referring, I'm, I, I take the place of the client, for example, to give them the demo so they can see what I'm doing so that they can do the same thing. So. Yeah. Side note, I think it's actually really cute to see um, that we had a client, we were working at Home Depot and it was a Doberman and 
I think it's a it was oh a yeah girl or a boy I don't, I don't remember the girl the, the son or the no, it, was it was a puppy yeah, anyways it was a Doberman was a puppy yeah. and she was nervous of um like the stacks of was it it was like Cement. stacks of something and she was nervous about it so we were encouraging her to go over there and then when she finally went over there like hopped up on it and then came back down the, it's the face that they make yeah, yeah. the expression they make of like you could see how proud she was yeah, to face too. and conquer yeah. her fear and it's the cutest thing so if you guys are working with your puppies i can't wait for you guys to experience that and see that in your puppy's face because it's the cutest thing like they're so yeah, proud of like it's great. i did it <laughs> well one of the things i do too with puppies and my clients is when we go to a children's playground yeah i encourage the puppies to climb up the stairs and then go down the slide and the first couple of times that i bring them down the slide i literally grab them and then hold them and slide them down the slide while holding them and then I grab them and kind of push them or pull them down the slide and then let go and let them finish. But every time they hit the bottom of the slide, I'm them. like, yay. And then I clap and then I give them food. And then I bring them up again and I'll go down, right? So they see me go down and then I turn around and I encourage them and then I drop food down the slide. And like, it's, it's the same response nearly every time with every puppy i do this with there's a lot of hesitation there's a lot of like big eyes and oh hell no <laughs> right and then after a couple of repetitions of implementing that and guiding them and then doing it and then encouraging them they're they're literally sliding down the slide on their own and that's to me another good example of socialization building confidence in situations and and uh and in locations that you want your puppy to thrive you know yeah. if it's at home depot i'm like hey let's climb on a bunch of stuff let's i throw food inside the little cubby areas where there's like you know underneath something or whatever the case is and the puppies goes goes in there and it's like dark in there you know or just different just different again pushing those little boundaries to help them become more comfortable more confident dogs. yeah exactly it's yeah. great i love it um a couple other things I want to mention with regard to this is how to think about too how you want to socialize your puppy for the lifestyle that you're going to live. If you're going to travel a lot, you should really start taking your puppy with you immediately. If you like to be outdoors, start taking them on hikes immediately. Uh, another thing too to keep in mind is that I recommend to my clients bringing their puppy to a friend's house right a couple of different friends and get the puppy used to being in different homes and this actually helps later on in the event that you ever had to move you wouldn't have to deal with some of the the difficulties that come with moving with a dog because a dog that's never really been outside of their house and they move it can be pretty traumatizing to them i've seen clients whose dogs completely change after they've moved and this is something that can easily be avoided by getting the dog acclimated and used to traveling and being in different houses. We did that a lot with Brooklyn. We always went to different uh, friends' houses. I took my dog everywhere. And as soon as we could, we were traveling with her, staying in hotels with her, hiking with her, hiking, camping with her. Yeah. And again, she can stay anywhere with no issues whatsoever. Another thing to think about too is what are you prepping your dog for for their life? So are you trying to have a protection dog? If that's the case, maybe you don't want your dog to be so uh, friendly with 
strangers, right? You don't want to necessarily promote aggression, but you, you want to keep some, some degree of wariness with people. So that's important too. If that's your goal to have a protection dog, then it's probably not a good idea to have them meeting everybody when you're out in public. On the other end of that, if you're having a therapy dog, you probably want that puppy to meet a lot of people and to have a lot of fun, positive experiences with people. And then again, if you have a service dog, you want your dog to be comfortable around people, but not necessarily overly friendly with people. Because if you have a service dog, that dog needs to be able to pay attention to you and not everybody, and else. Not everybody else versus a therapy dog is interested in other people. And that's part of their, that's part of their job, right? To interact a lot with people that they don't know and to be comfortable with strangers, touching them all over and hugging them and things like that. So those are things that you should start working on as soon as possible. And keep that in mind too. Like if that's your goal, get on that now because I have people that reached out to me and they're like, oh yeah, my dog's three and we're thinking about making him a service dog. And I'm, I'm like, well, what was the socialization like? And like, well, not much. He was a COVID puppy. And I'm like, ah, I mean... I don't know what's he look like outside and they're like oh he's kind of nervous and i say it's not this it's not to say that it's impossible but man you're really starting from like a negative 10. yeah you know what i mean you have to make up for all the yeah all the bad experiences that have been and it's possible but the truth is it's like why would you want to start that way you yeah. know why do you want to start from a deficit you'd want to this is something that you want to get going right away and a lot of times people ask me, how, how long does the dog, does socialization last? So there's a couple of things to keep in mind with that. One is while the main, the most important part is eight to 16 weeks. So you've literally got two months to really drill this in. But in my opinion, the socialization process lasts up to two years. And that's not a sentence for you guys, but it's just important to understand how you should still intermittently be bringing them places and still exposing them to things and keeping it normal, especially if it's going to be a part of their life. Like for example, traveling. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is what's called fear periods. And this can happen with puppies anywhere from like, I would say 10 months to a year where everything's going great. You've been socializing your puppy really well. And then they go somewhere, they see something that they've always seen. And all of a sudden they act like they've never seen it before. This is normal. But the best thing that you can do is kind of go back to the roots, which is allowing them and encouraging them to investigate, downplaying it. And in some cases, just to give you a little bit more perspective, if there's a situation that you cannot introduce your or like say a person that you can't introduce your puppy to, the best next the next best thing to do is to sort of redirect them and have them focus on you and do something that they know. So I might if a dog is fixated on a person maybe it's like an elderly woman in a wheelchair and i can't ask this lady to hey stop let me bring my dog over to you so instead i just get my dog to look at me maybe i pull them away like six feet and then they look at me and then i'll say hey good boy and then i'll let them look at the lady in the wheelchair again and as soon as they look at that lady i go yay good boy and i try to reward them and pet them and praise them for not reacting and then look at me then look at the lady then look at me then look at the lady and this little game that i play teaches the dog to get comfortable seeing that woman in a wheelchair so rather than let him get fixated and then kind of let's say well i'll say reactive meaning trying to push the lady away uh and punishing that or correcting him i will redirect him and let him try again and then just go through that little pattern so is all hope lost uh if someone misses 
that socialization time frame of eight to 16 weeks or even, you know, maybe a year? I would say no. I'm a very uh, optimistic person. But I have seen dogs that unfortunately just aren't able to make like a full turnaround, you know, a full recovery, so to speak. And I think like Logan is a good example. So our dog, Logan, he is... He, when I remember when I first brought him home from school, he was very weary of traffic. So I, when I trained him in, out in Texas, we were in like rural areas, so there was no cars. Uh, but then the first time I started walking him around our neighborhood, there was a car and he like broke his heel. My first reaction was like, hey, ah, you're supposed to be in a heel. And then I quickly realized like he was trying to get away from the car. And then I was like, oh, okay. So again, I just played it cool. I actually gave him a lot of leeway and would just encourage him to or allow him to just stop and like watch the car pass by and even now though when we go on a walk if there's a loud truck or a loud car that passes he he kind of moves to the side or he'll stop and just want to watch it go by and i let him do that and that's it so in comparison to when i first brought him home big change but not 100% comfortable whereas brooklyn she could care less you know there could be a dump truck parade riding by honking their horn and she'd just be like huh what what's going on who cares but logan would be like what the hell is this you know and it is what it is i and i rewarded him and and whatnot and like i said he's definitely way better than when i first brought him home because he was legit trying to run away and now he's just weary but again that's it's like one of those things where uh, I'm not looking for a full recovery. I get it. It's ingrained in him. He's never going to be 100% comfortable with that. So that's important to know, and which is, again, why it's so important to socialize your puppies and really take the time to get them out and expose them to as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, though, as in regards to Logan, though, you did such a great job of Thanks. repetition. Yeah. You know, because aside from you know, a loud car or traffic, there's other things that he's been afraid of. Yeah. And it's that constant repetition of exposure to mm -hmm. those things. Um, hiking was like one of those yeah. things. He was nervous to climb on rocks. Yeah. And now he is our little like Billy goat oh, yeah. it's <laughs> so hilarious. running around everywhere on his own. So. Yeah. And I would say with, with regard to that, that's a situation where he's kind of made a complete recovery let's say yeah, yeah i would he's say very so. comfortable yeah and so yeah so to answer go back to the question like no all hope is certainly not lost but you have more work yeah more work and also you know just reading your dog and understanding you know there's people that are afraid of heights and you can get them to be like a little bit more comfortable but they're just never going to want to be at the top of a mountain with you and that's okay, that's okay. and you just have to accept yeah. that so that's a part of it too and knowing that, I think we'll just, and being prepared for that would just help you have a much better life with your dog altogether. So, yeah, but love this topic. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Um, we're looking forward to answering any questions that you guys might have. Please shoot us an email uh, at info at leadyourpacklv.com. If you guys have topics that you want us to cover or any personal issues that you're dealing with that you want to get an answer on, let us know. And you can hit us up on Instagram at leadyourpacklv on Instagram. I almost said <laughs> .com. <laughs> and please just title it podcast so we know yeah. that it's for the podcast. To make it can... easy on Layla. She goes through all the emails. I so. do. And that way I, we, 
I make sure that your question is answered. Yeah. And that's it. We'll see you guys for the next one. See you next time. Peace. Bye.